Hi, I'm Brandon. I'm Isaac. I'm Caleb. And I'm Ryan, and we are the King's Advocate Podcast. Um, we just want to give a little disclaimer, like we always do, that um, we don't claim to be experts or or necessarily scholars. We're, we get together to, to learn and to edify one another. Um, so definitely do your own study on, on what we talk about and let us know if you feel like we, we have uh, spoken falsely and we're misrepresenting God's word. <clears throat> but today I want to talk about being meek and kick around a couple ideas with the guys about what being meek means and what it what are some examples of it. Especially a little later on, I want to talk about a, a specific scripture that um, I, I, I'm sure we've all read. But, you know, I just, I have trouble sometimes thinking of specific examples where I I wouldn't want to, we'll we'll get into it in just a little bit. Okay, but first we're going to read Matthew 11, 28 through 29. Caleb, do you want to read Matthew? Oh, also Caleb's back. Yay! (laughs) I'm back. And he's married, so. It happened. It happened. (laughs) So, um, Matthew 11, 28 through 29. Caleb. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I missed your voice, Caleb. You did. Thank you. (laughs) Okay. Uh, (laughs) Brandon was singing there silently. (laughs) I missed your voice, Caleb. Yay! Um, <laughs> um, so this, uh, I, I like this verse a lot and it's not the verse that, um, you know, some, some people would go with when you talk about being meek, you know, there's that in the Beatitudes, Jesus says, blessed are the meek for they shall inherit the earth. But, uh, I wanted to talk a little bit about what the word meek means and, um, you know, how we can apply it in our lives and, you know, what are the right way, right ways to apply it and what are the wrong ways to apply it. And uh, so I, I looked up what the word itself means. And in, in Thayer's, it means, you know, humble or uh, gentle. And there's a couple, there's, it's only used a, a few times. But uh, I think J.R. Smith, he gave a lesson on, on this kind of topic a, a long time ago. And I listened to it on Penn South's uh, website, and uh, he said that I th- he thought that the best definition of being meek is strength that is brought under control, and I thought that was a really, really good uh, way to put it, and I think Proverbs 16 and 32 has a pretty good, kind of kind of supports, kind of supports that pretty well, 16 and verse 32. Isaac, do you want to read that? He who is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he who rules his spirit than he who takes a city. Okay, so I think that 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 passage there really kind of describes what being meek is like, and with the value and the virtue of of being meek. And it, it's you know somebody who rules their spirit is better than somebody who takes a city. That's um, that's what that scripture there says, and I think that's um, I think it's important. Obviously, it's important that we be able to to rule our spirit, be able to, you know, bring ourselves under under control, especially whenever we we get, you know, we get angry or we get frustrated or uh, or upset with people. Um, 
Actually, I, I learned quite a bit about self-control today uh, listening to Jordan Dancer's podcast. Uh, it's part nine of the Fruits of the Spirit. <clears throat> part nine. Um, and it was all about self-control, and it was it was pretty good. So uh, if you want to learn more about that, then I'd recommend that, that episode of 15 Minutes and a Big Idea for sure. So yeah, I, I think the idea of um, self-control or temperance and, and being meek kind of go hand in hand a whole lot. And um, obviously, you know, Jesus mentions that the meek shall inherit the earth. And he also, you know, he's, he labels himself as meek and lowly. And uh, we're, you know, we're to model ourselves after him. And I think, um, I think uh, as with everything else, you know, Jesus is the perfect example of every attribute that that we want to emulate in our lives but you know I think you can just you really see you can really see that the strength that he brings under his own control I mean he's he's you know God on the earth he is perfection and like during his crucifixion is the most obvious attempt or the most obvious uh, display but you know he had the ability to stop it at any time but he chose not to he chose to follow through with what God, what the Father wanted, so that he could save us. And I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself here. But um, I do think that there is such a thing as not necessarily being too meek necessarily, but you can, just just like also everything else, you can take being meek and you can drive it to the extreme and you can go to the point that you're... Um, you're, you're not willing to do what's, what's right because you're too afraid. So there's a difference between being meek and being too lazy to uh, be bold. Yeah, um, you know, I think uh, we're going to look at a couple examples. We're going to look at at least one example of of the difference between, you know, being meek and I don't want to say, you know, being a coward because I don't think that's really what it is, but refusing to do what's right because you just don't like the conflict or you don't right. like the, the, the trouble, the bother. But in Ezekiel 33, 7 through 9, there's a really interesting passage that is, uh, is it's a principle that is in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. And we're going to read both because I, I like the, I like the um, picture that God paints with his words in, in the Old Testament and in the New Testament, we can also see it applies to us still. So, Brandon, do you want to read Ezekiel 33, 7-9? Yeah. So thou, O son of man, I have set thee a watchman unto the house of Israel. Therefore thou shalt hear the word at my mouth, and warn them from me. When I say unto the wicked, O wicked man, thou shalt surely die. If thou dost not speak to warn the wicked from his way, that wicked man shall die in his iniquity, but the blood will I require at thine hand. Nevertheless, if thou warn the wicked of his way to turn from it, if he do not turn from his way, he shall die in his iniquity, but thou hast delivered thy soul. So God's speaking to, his, uh, he's speaking to Ezekiel, and he's telling him, you got to go tell these people these things, because if you don't, you're going to be guilty of their blood, because mm -hmm. you didn't tell them you didn't warn them like I told you to warn them. You didn't tell them that I was unhappy with them. You didn't tell them that they weren't following my will, and that was what I told you to do. And, you know, obviously God hasn't come down to any of us and spoken to us like he did to Ezekiel, but we do have his word, and his word tells us that 
that we need to preach. His word tells us that we need to get out there and we need to, to warn people who are lost that they're lost and that their their soul is in danger. Uh, just like Paul says in Romans uh, 10. Romans 10 and 14. And it says, How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? So, um, you know, he's, he's asking those questions there. You know, how are they supposed to believe on Jesus if they don't believe in him? Or how are they supposed to? <laughs> how shall how they... they believe if they don't believe? <laughs> how are they supposed to call on him if they don't believe in him? And how are they supposed to believe in him if they don't know who he is? So, and, and that's where we come in. You know, God has called Christians to, to speak and to teach about Jesus, to teach people who are lost that their soul is in danger and that the only thing standing between them and, and the wrath of God is, is Christ. And so we need to spread that message and we need to be willing to take the leap and be bold for Christ and be willing to be, you know, made fun of or willing to take reprimand or willing to be cast out from our friend group or, or, or our family or whatever it may be. And we need to, to speak to people who are lost and tell them about Jesus. Because if, if we don't tell them and they don't know, then that's yeah, on, that's on us. It, it is on us. I mean, God is going to require, God is going to give justice to, to those who don't follow him. And and, but if we just let them walk into hell, if we just let them walk off the side of cl- of the cliff, and we don't say anything, then we're we're partly at fault too. You know, we mm-hmm. we need to be willing to be bold. You know, we need to be willing to, you know, be meek. Yes, be meek in that we are not combative, we're not antagonistic, we're not violent, we're not unkind or cruel, but we are bold in standing up and saying that's wrong, and this is God's will, and this is what God says. So I, I do think there's such a thing as being, you know, too meek. Not not really too meek, but you can take meek to being, you can take being meek to, to an extreme. I feel like one thing for me specifically, it could be with the rest of y'all, I don't know. But one thing that's kind of stopped me at times whenever I've been trying to convince myself to go out and to tell people about Jesus and to tell my friends and all these people is, is that I always go to the worst possible scenario. Yeah. I always tend to think of the worst possible thing that can happen, which, you know, with each person could be different. But at the end of the day, what matters more than even that worst possible scenario, what matters more than that is their soul. Yeah. Ultimately, and we have to realize that, that their soul is more important than anything. And we need to, you know, go at them and try to warn them regardless of what they're going to throw at us, whether it's that worst case scenario that you could be thinking of or whether they take it immediately and they obey the gospel or something like that. So for me, one of my struggles is I've really thought about this for years and years and years and wanted to be better at talking to people who are outside the church. And I've, I've taken really, really slow baby steps doing this, but I've gotten to the point now where I can talk to people about religion and I'll talk to my coworkers about about God, but the the thing I struggle with is when they say something that I know is wrong, and I know the exact verse and I know you know exactly what to say, but I'm afraid to say it 
because I'm not sure how to phrase it because I don't want to turn them away. That's mm-hmm. that's the thing that I, I really, I balk at a lot is that I, I hear somebody say something, you know, blatantly wrong. They're talking to me and I want to say, no, I don't think that's right, but I just can't really figure out how to phrase it. And I'm worried that if I phrase it wrong, I'm going to lose the chance to talk to them. And so some of that's on me. I need to you know think more about my responses or maybe go back to them the next day and say, hey, I thought about what you said. But I definitely struggle with that, and I've it's taken a long, long time even to get to the point where I'm willing to talk about religion uh, with people that I work with, people that I you know go to school with, and stuff like that. I've definitely had that problem. I was even recently I, I was talking with a guy, and I, I had just gotten to the point where I was like, okay, I'm going to talk about this, and I'm I'm actually going to talk about this with this guy, and he started asking me questions, and I realized that they were just questions to make me look stupid. Mm. And uh, it turns out he was he uh, succeeded, <laughs> but I mean it it wasn't that. It was just kind of like one of those setback moments, like oh I decided to do this and it went wrong, so I'm a little bit worried now to about do it doing it again. You know, after that happened, it was something that I struggled with. Been like okay, now that I've gone through that, how can I pick it back up again later on? Probably with somebody else, but to talk to somebody else about it, someone who's actually going to care about it. Yeah, and I, I think you know the reality is, is that sometimes we're gonna get, we're gonna be embarrassed. We're gonna have people who are mad, who who don't like what we say, and that's uh, that's part of the reality of of being a Christian is you take rejection, and really it's, I mean, it's important to remember that they're not rejecting you; they're rejecting Jesus, and that's that's hard to to remember in the moment. But uh, we need to be willing to, to be bold, and I need to be better about being bold, um, being being bold and, and meek at the same time, you know? Being... I, think, I think there can be a distinction, too, because, I mean, I've been studying through the book of Jude recently, and in verse 22, he says, And on some have compassion, making a distinction, but on others, save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment defiled by the flesh. Yeah, I think it's... So there is a distinction. Like, there, there's a time to be as meek as you possibly can, and there's a time to be as bold as you possibly can. But you have to be able to make that kind of distinction. And that's hard to do. And you got to know... I feel like you have to know the person to yeah. do that. I think that, that kind of implies a relationship with that person, that you understand them. Uh, and, and a lot of these... <clears throat> examples y'all are talking about about like um people not receiving you and, and denying jesus and being meek and being bold um, like i think all of those examples paul you can see paul do all of those and how to handle those in those different situations throughout acts and romans and stuff like that you know and sometimes the best answer was just to walk away <laughs> and and there is there's a time and place for that as well and i i think so, so one example that I that I looked at was was Matthew sixteen and thirty two, and um, did I say thirty two? Matthew yeah. sixteen and verse twenty three. I'm dyslexic. It's less dystic. <laughs> <laughs> Dyslexics untie. <laughs> Instead of united. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. How, um, what verse? <laughs> uh, sorry, Matthew 16 and verse 23. Matthew oh, that's why it was this long. <laughs> Matthew 61. <laughs> I was like, I can't find it. Ends. <laughs> okay, so, um, so being meek does not mean that you don't stand up for what's right. It doesn't mean that you don't 
stand your ground in, in the face of, of evil or wrongdoing. And Jesus does this perfectly. He There's a lot of times that we see Jesus be very compassionate, very kind, very gentle, very quiet. And But there's also times where he rebukes people. I mean, he rebukes Satan a few times, he rebukes the Pharisees, and he rebukes his own disciples. Like here in Matthew 16, 23, it says, But he turned and said unto Peter, Get thee behind me, Satan. Thou art an offense unto me, for thou savorest not the things that be of God, but those that be of men. So Peter had told him, well, Jesus had just told his disciples that he would he would be crucified, he would be killed, he would, you know, men would beat him and everything like that. And Peter said, he, it says that Peter took him and began to rebuke him, saying, Be it far from thee, Lord, this shall not be unto thee. And Jesus rebuked him pretty sharply here and didn't call him Peter. So that was probably not very flattering for Peter in the moment. But being meek and being lowly and being humble doesn't mean that you're not willing to say, this is right and this is wrong and you're doing what's wrong. I think this applies especially um, to like our brothers and sisters, you know. I think when we there, there's obviously times and places to do this with people who are not in the church, and uh, but there's also times that our brothers and sisters may be doing something wrong, and if we have a relationship where we can go to them and we can say, "Hey, you're doing something wrong, and you need to you need to stop," then we need to do that, and that requires us to be to be bold. That requires us to be brave, and it it also requires you know us to to do it in the right way, which I think is you know, strength brought under control, like, um, like how we see Jesus do, but, but it, it doesn't mean that we just shy away from conflict and we shy away from, from uncomfortable moments. Cause that's, that's really, that's really what I feel like. I feel like that's really what we all struggle with. A lot of the time is this is going to be uncomfortable if I do this. I don't right. know how, like I, if I say this, I don't know what happens after that, but I know it's going to be uncomfortable, you know? So I feel like that's kind of what we, we tend to shy away from. Which if we were just put that feeling aside for a moment and get get through the awkwardness, get through the uncomfortableness, and get to the other side of that, we'll, we'll understand the great reward that comes from that moment of awkward. Yeah. It's a, a lot like... Uh, getting married or buying a house, things like that. Like it's it's really hard in the beginning. It's stressful and it's awkward at times. But then once it's finally over, you have that house, you have your wife, you have the thing that you've been trying to get, and it's it's good. Was it God? Was it Jesus said the end of the thing is better than the beginning? Uh, I don't know what verse you're talking. About. That's actually I, I don't know that verse. Sorry. It may be a proverb, but at the end of the thing... Oh, yeah, there, that wasn't from the Bible. No, it was, a, it was in Proverbs. That was a Chinese proverb. <laughs> no, mm. I'm going to look it up now. Let's see. And better than beginning. Not begging. In the begging. <clears throat> okay, Ecclesiastes 7-8. Same author. The end of a thing is better than its beginning. The patient in spirit is better than the proud in spirit. So... If we get through that moment of awkward, that moment of stress and, you know, fear, the end of it, even if they reject it, the end of it's better than that moment. Yeah. Uh, It's like, I guess a catharsis would be a good word for it. Like, at the end of all that, there's relief or there's something really great that happens afterward. But it's like whenever you go up to the front in a church service to ask for prayers or to be baptized or whatever the case is, you... You're like sitting in the pew during the lesson. You're 
sweating, you're terrified to go up to the front. And for me, it's usually because I have some dumb feeling that everybody's going to judge me, which we all know is wrong. And that's not going to be the case. But once I finally make that first step and go to the front and ask for prayers, you know, there's a huge feeling of relief. Yeah. After that. And support. Yeah. And support because you have, you realize that those people that you were scared of that were going to judge you, turns out they're all here for you and they're all going to pray for you and they're all going to do their best to help you in any way that they can. I I really like that example, Brandon. Um, You know, we do need to push through, you know, the, the fear of, of it being awkward, the fear of, you know, being rejected and, and, and be willing to be, to be bold for, for God. Because really, I think, I think what being meek is about is you, you choose to submit to God's will, whatever God's will may be. And, uh, whether that's you deciding to stand up and say, this is wrong, this is right, then you do that. You submit to that. Uh, or whether it's you deciding that okay, I'm I'm going to take I'm going to take punishment here, or I'm going to stay silent here because I think God's will is best being being fulfilled by doing that. Then you do that. Um, in Luke 22 and verse 42, Luke 22 and verse 42, Caleb, do you want to read that? Saying, Father, if Thou be willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but Thine be done. Okay, so this is right, obviously right before the crucifixion. This was in he, when he's in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he, he prays. And I think this is a lot of what being meek is about. And there's so many different things you can talk about here. This is about what humility is about. This is what, about what patience is about, what, what being putting God first is about, is about. But I think we also see someone being truly meek. You know, Christ has the ability to stop it. He has the desire to stop it. He has every reason to stop it but it's god's will that he not stop it it's god's will that he uh that he take that pain he take that suffering and he die for humanity so i think that's a that's a great example and that's a great picture of what being meek is about he brought his strength under control in order to submit to god's will and that's that's what we need to do ourselves is when we're angry and we want to snap back at somebody, bring yourself under control and don't do it because it's God will, God's will that you not. It's God's will that you preserve that relationship, that you allow, you allow God to do any punishing or you just, you know, forgive the person. So I, I think, I think being meek has a lot to do with like, you know, refraining from vengeance, refraining from, you know, snapping at somebody, refraining, refraining the negative emotions in your life, um, from affecting other people because it's God's will that, that you do so. I think that's a, or at least that's an area that I focus on a whole lot. And there's another verse that I, I think, well, that, that Peter Peter writes in, in 1 Peter 2 and verse 19. 1 Peter 2 and verse 19 through 21. Isaac, do you want to read that? 19 through 21. Mm-hmm. For this is commendable, if because of conscience toward God one endures grief, suffering wrongfully. For what credit is it if when you are beaten for your faults you take it patiently? But when you do good and suffer, if you take it patiently, this is commendable before God. For to, who, for to this you were called, because Christ suffered for us also, leaving us an example that you should follow his steps. 
So Peter writes that, and then he goes on to exp- he goes on to give the give the example of how Christ was perfect. He did no sin. He didn't lie, <coughs> and he went to that cross and he bore our sins and he died on that cross so that we like sheep could be gathered together because he was the, sh- the sh- shepherd and and bishop of our souls. So he gives that example of okay, I want you to not only take it patiently when you're beaten for your faults but also take it patiently when you're beaten for other people's faults, when you're beaten for something you didn't do, when you suffer wrongfully and you do it because you, for conscience towards God. He says that's commendable, and he gives us the example of Christ because that's exactly what Christ did when he went to the cross. And I feel like that's a lot about, that has a lot to do with being meek and not, you know, you know I, I think, I was thinking about this verse a whole lot, before we started this, uh, before we started the, the podcast and everything, or this episode, and um, one thing I th- I was thinking of is I can't really think of an example in which I would do this or have done this. You know, suffered for something that I didn't do and I just took it. You know, that's that's a hard concept to do for me. Like if I get blamed for something and I didn't do it and I start to get punished, I'm like hey, I didn't do this. You know, I, I, I want to be the one to raise my hand and say, I didn't do this. I don't necessarily want to point the finger at <coughs> somebody else and be like, he did it. Mm-hmm. I just want to say, it wasn't me. You know, I didn't right. do this. So I think it's, I, I don't know. I was, I was actually going to ask you guys for some examples of an area where you think, where you've done this in your life or an, an example that you can think of that's like a really good example. Because I was trying to think back through my life and I'm thinking, man, I, I don't see a whole lot of examples of that. And that's that's to my you know, discredit there, but, but, um, I think this verse is just like so, so good and it's so, so hard to follow. And it's something that we need to strive for is that we, you know, take it patiently. If, if you suffer wrongfully, you know what, that's what Jesus did. Why don't you be like your master? And that's hard for me to do today. That's hard to remember in the moment. I think, I think that's hard for any person <clears throat> who didn't grow up in a place where Christians were hated to do as heavily as they probably would have been in the first century. Uh, these people were persecuted, murdered, you know, taken from their homes, thrown in prisons for what they believed, and that's, and they still stood strong, and that's commendable. But us, I mean, you walk down the street, you meet at least 30 Christians. They're all from different denominations and backgrounds, but not a single one of them has, well, I don't want to say that, but very few of them have hate for each other or for you. So it's very hard to suffer wrongfully for Christ's sake when nobody's suffering for Christ's sake in, yeah. in America, really. That's true. I mean, that's changing now, but uh, a little bit now, but that's going to be really hard for when that actually does start happening for us to be like, okay, we're going to suffer wrongfully when we've had very little experience with it. I mean, yeah, I mean, like, if somebody were to come to my house and, like, take me out of my house and throw me in jail I'm I mean I bet my I bet my family would be on their way with a lawyer out or at least I would hope so you know <laughs> you know I would be like what the heck I didn't do anything wrong you know and <laughs> no. <laughs> nope they wouldn't be on their way <laughs> thank, okay, thank goodness but uh yeah I, I mean I think this is a really really hard command for us to follow but I also think it's like the picture of being meek you know you bring your strength up. You have the ability, the opportunity, and every reason to justify yourself, but you don't because of conscience towards God. 
And there are obviously times when, when you know, you shouldn't do that. If you're accused of murder, don't just say, yeah, I'll take it. Right. Don't suffer as a murderer. That's, <laughs> that's another command, you know, but... But uh, I think this is a this is kind of like the picture of being meek, and that's why he relates it to what Christ did when he went on the cross and he he suffered for our sins. So, but if anybody does anybody have any anything extra they would like to add? I'm the meekest person in this room. It also means humble. So. Oh, does it? <laughs> <laughs> well, Moses said he was the most humble person in the world. So did he really? Yeah. He he did write that. Yeah. In uh, Exodus. Yes, he no, did. Now Moses was more humble than any other person. He was the, he was the meekest man on the earth. Yeah, he did write that. <laughs> hmm. Anyways. <laughs> so, um, I'm not equating you to Moses, by the way. <laughs> yeah, you're not but even close. <laughs> <laughs> you said the same thing. <laughs> uh, all right, well, um, if anybody has uh, something they would like to add, please, please message us. Let us know. We'd love to have feedback for, for every episode, not only this one. But um, without any further ado, this is Ryan. I'm Brandon. I'm Isaac. And I'm Caleb, and we are the King's Advocate Podcast, signing off.